the flip of that, a lot of times our parents see us still as the baby the that baby. they held yep. and not the full grown, mature, mm-hmm. like physically mature mm-hmm. man or woman that stands before them. Yep. So unfortunately, that's something that has to be deconstructed as well. It does. But, it, it definitely has to be deconstructed or, or that we allow a space to discuss that we come to the planet as sexual beings. Yep. And that your sexuality, and I don't like the shaming that we do of young people when they are having very naturally occurring sexual feelings. I remember being a teenager and thinking. Welcome back to episode hmm, 202 of the Ruthly Speaking Podcast. If you are new to this or true, this is the show that is a bi-weekly podcast and hosted by me, Miss Angela Rue. I'm here giving my views unfiltered, unapologetic, and always black as fuck. And we just want to jump right into it with my co-host, Uncle Jew in the building. How you doing today, sir? Whew, look. Yes. <laughs> I pop no mollies, but I am indeed sweating. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No. Um. It has been a roller coaster ride over the last couple of weeks. We got to say goodbye to Kobe Bryant. Yes, we did. Um. We have seen other athletes just step up to the mantle. Just a uh, lots of things have gone on. Yeah. Um, been, people have dropped out of the presidential race. Man. Uh. Peace out, Mayor Pete. Yeah. Um. So many people. How many? Peace people? out, Mary Pete. Peace out, uh, Andrew Yang. Peace out, uh, Amy Klobuchar. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a lot of people. So it's down to three. Who do you think you're going to vote for? I'm leaning towards Elizabeth Warren. Me too. I'm um, I'm leaning towards Elizabeth Warren. I I think uh, I think just her experience is in her her buck of the establishment. Definitely is is. But I'm concerned. Well, I mean, everybody's concerned. I think that at this point, it's not about. I think right now, if this is what we're, if we're talking about chess, we're trying to get we're trying to get rid of the king. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like at this point, I think it's just a matter of reset. This really isn't about um, necessarily uh, fighting for what's right. I mean, we want to fight for what's right, obviously, but we know what's definitely wrong. We want to get that up out the paint for sure. So. Um, for me, I'm going to be voting for Elizabeth Warren. I would vote for Bernie, but I just have no idea. Um, I'm seriously concerned about Uncle Bernie's health is what I'm concerned about. Um, funny thing is, there's a real, real strong possibility that Stacey Abrams out of Georgia might end up being the running mate of the Democratic uh, presidential nomination. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, if it ends up being Bernie, more than likely, she said that she would be more than be more than open to being the vice president. Yeah, I, I mean, it it makes sense because right now, with the field that we have of Bloomberg, Biden, Sanders, and Warren, black folks, don't who, don't don't fall for the okie doke of Bloomberg, please. Or don't. for Biden, please, please don't, don't fall like, for the okie doke. Uncle Joe has been out here making a whole don't ass of himself. don't so, fall for the okie doke. Don't pass it from. Uh, a complete asswipe to a billionaire. An asswipe that says please and thank you. A billionaire asswipe that says stop, let me frisk you. Or another billionaire 
who has a great smile but still has some very ass wifeish tendencies. Like I said, he says please and thank you. You as know, he, as he's fucking <laughs> you from behind, raw. <laughs> like no, we don't, we don't need, uh, we don't need to fall for that. I think, uh, but Stacey Abrams definitely makes sense because of those four, who who outright got the whole black vote? Not just not just black activists, not just the black intellectia or intellectual. There we go. Intelligentsia. Um, (laughs) Like, not just those folks, but are you going to get blue collar? Are you going to get um, unemployed? Are you going to get all levels? Like, yeah, you're fighting for the middle class, but um, a lot of black folks don't live in the middle class. So were you, you know, how can you ensure that vote for, uh, you know, lower middle class and, and working folks? I don't know. You know, it's gonna—it's just gonna be very interesting and important. Um, important primary coming up. I believe our the Missouri primary is coming up on March 10th. Yes. So if you are registered to vote, make sure you go out and vote. Don't come up with no excuses like you gotta get your hair did or couldn't find a babysitter. Uh, polls stay open till seven o'clock. So and better, it better is illegal for your job to tell you. Yeah, don't let your job tell you, you that you cannot vote. vote. You are definitely well within your right to exercise your right to vote. Um, make sure you know where you're polling. Make sure you bring your IDs. Don't try to make them turn you away. Make sure that you have all your mm-hmm. information. And mm-hmm. if you need to, definitely be able to go on the you can go on the website to check and see what your yeah. uh, your rights are and what you're supposed to bring. If you have any questions, Absolutely. call your board of elections. And we'll make sure to put that on the we're gonna put that on the page too, yeah. so that way everybody yeah. knows. So Just call if your you're board not registered to vote, please register to vote. If you aren't gonna be here. If you're not going to be home. Absentee ballots. We have no excuses. None. <laughs> like, you know, we, we just, we really need to know. But, I mean, as we are recording this show, Super Tuesday is going on as we speak. So, um, you know, things are definitely going to change by yeah. midnight tonight. Things will be changing. So, you know, we'll see who's going to kiss whose ass. Definitely. tomorrow morning and speaking of kissing ass um uh and making sure that we're it's a clean ass and clean hands let's make sure we're washing our hands ladies and gentlemen the coronavirus has touched down on the united states soil please make sure that you are washing your hands sanitizer is just that it is sanitizer it is not soap and water soap and water does it every time your grandmama told you to wash your hands wash your hands because i'm out here checking folk but my grandmama also gave me saltine crackers <laughs> Young and the Restless, <laughs> follow our prices, right? It may be a little family feud in there. I, I had an all my and, children, grandmama. <laughs> and Canada Dry, mm-hmm. ginger ale. Listen, and I, a nap. All I'm saying is this. Get yeah. off that damn phone. <laughs> all, all I'm saying is this. Please make sure you're washing your hands. If you're traveling, please make sure that you are doing everything that you possibly can to be in a clean and sanitized state. Because I don't want any of y'all getting sick. I namely don't want any of y'all getting sick. You got a cough, stay home. Like, straight up and down. Like, I promise you, I work in a call center environment on my day job. I promise you, I see more individuals coming to work knowing they got walking pneumonia trying to get this check. Baby, if you don't take your coughing, nagging, phlegm hocking <laughs> ass back home and don't get me sick, please don't get me sick. And, uh, I work with petri dishes. Man, I'm, oh, I'm just, sorry, children. I'm just saying, please, please, <laughs> it is not a game out here. We got, we have six deaths confirmed in Washington State. Um, we got, it hasn't touched Missouri yet, but um, this is not to be played with. I'm pretty shook my damn self. But so I have plans to go to Vegas in 
late June. Well, I'll, you be careful. Nope, we've canceled. <laughs> we've canceled Vegas. Okay, okay. And we're gonna drive to Chicago. <laughs> Damn straight, because I'm like, it's not like, even a joke out here. No. I, I trust what's going on in my car versus what's going on on that plane. Plane, exactly. I was watching some show and they were like, "Do you realize that when you're on an airplane, you're breathing recycled air? Mm-hmm. So every little fart, every cough, mm-hmm. every sneeze." Every leftover piece of salad and or onion yeah. in between somebody's teeth. You're breathing that shit in. I almost went to another reference, but all of that shit mm-hmm. is in the air and you got to breathe that shit in. Yeah. I always looked at black folks like they were crazy when they got on planes with masks on, but now. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm like future mask on. Absolutely. And no, fuck not, it, not, no not mask, mask off. Mask on. And fuck it, no mask off. Mask on. Right up and down. So anyway, um, before we get into these into this episode, we are going to introduce our guest of the hour and plus maybe ninety minutes, maybe more. Who knows? But uh, she is a poet. Uh, she is an author. She recently authored a book called Mama Sutra, um, which is amazing. If you have not copped it, cop it on Amazon, please give this girl her money. Uh, she is the epitome of black girl magic, and she is the procure of big dick energy. Natasha Riel, sorry. <laughs> Natasha. <laughs> Natasha. Yes, she conjures. <laughs> she conjures. Natasha. 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 Yes. Natasha. We out here conjuring Natasha. y'all. And you- Listen, okay, listen, listen. The ancestors are pleased. Here is God of the eternal erection. Oh. <laughs> How do you think that? That's a poem. That's actually a poem called Seven. It's yes. in the first. It's in my first book. Oh my to have a strong and powerful penis. This is true. Yeah, yes. so you can call it into energy. your life. Yeah, it's okay. not. It's not okay. calling it. It's, it's bringing forth yours. Yes. So when so you know when we're when we're in high penis 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 God, you'll be in low penis penis <laughs> penis God. You know you'll be in your roots doing yes. it. And you know you're yeah, like, your root chakra. Yeah, you'll be yes. Yes. Penis penis. You know, you'll be low, <laughs> and we'll be high. Penis 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 God. Yes. So, so Natasha, how are you doing? I'm sorry. We took, we went, we were already off the rails. Not even like five minutes. Oh my gosh. Holy uh, shit. That was funny. That was I'm better now. Sorry. So remembering how important it is to conjure. Yes. To yes. Conjure yes. But my God. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Lord. So as you know, as Natalie summoned in the spirit, and we brought forth the the energy. Of, 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 of glorious and, did we get and, permission from an elder to speak I feel right. like that's all that's Listen, missing did we do libations we brought, we brought forth the, 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 the want and the need for virile penis virile penis yeah. I should say so uh, without further ado it is time for that segment which segment that segment? That segment. The one that your grandmama stiff wig like that segment? Yes, me, you, your mama, and your cousin too. It is time for The, the Blackest, blackest shit, shit I, I Saw, saw this, this Week. Brought to you by hmm, who uh, that time? Shit. Kiki and Nim's Wig Emporium. I really hope that's not somebody. 
Actually, if it is somebody's business name, you owe us a check. But yes. So, so yeah, Kiki in the wig emporium. No, no, no. You get your fronts and get your laces all together. Get mm. your wig snatched and get your wig snapped. That's all I got to say. Hey. I don't know. But what's the blackest shit you saw this week? I saw two things this week. First thing I saw was um, <laughs> where they were both at um Kobe Bryant's funeral. Mm. First <laughs> was uh, Shaq talking about Kobe. Oh man, and, that was a uh, story. And Shaq is telling the story of how you know after they lost that first year and didn't get the championship, guys were like Kobe didn't pass the ball. Kobe did, and they're telling all this to Shaq, and Shaq just goes, "All right, all right, I'll talk to him." And Shaq goes over to Kobe and says, "You know, we're a team, and there's no I in team." And he said. But it sure is an M and an E in that motherfucker. Yep. <laughs> that was a, that moment, see, people don't, what people don't understand about black homegoings is that we, we cry, but we laugh. We cry and we laugh. Oh, we laugh and so we cry hard. and we laugh because that's how we have to celebrate our people as, we tra- as they transition. That's how we have to do it. Yes, definitely. The other black thing I saw was <laughs> Michael Jordan. Mm, Michael Jeffrey Jordan <laughs> admitting and giving us full permission <laughs> <laughs> to take that nigga's crying face again yes. and run with it for like three maybe four years yes yes he's like see that's what Kobe does to me that's right. what's up I was like literally I think that, that the celebration of life of Kobe Bryant and Gigi Bryant was beautiful it was definitely like a it was a moment for sure. Like I, I liken it to the homegoing of Michael Jackson in mm. the fact that there was just definitely a, it was a, it was a, it was, it was sad, but I think we, it was far away enough where I think that I wouldn't say we're, we're, I don't think we've all come to grips with this per se. I, right. I, I don't really know when that will happen, but um, for sure it was, you know, it was beautiful. And Vanessa Bryant, I my God. Vanessa Bryant did what I don't know if any of us could do in the same situation, mm-hmm. having lost your husband and your daughter uh, at the same time and being able to stand there and speak so beautifully and eloquently about both of them. And um, it was just a very beautiful, very uh, mm-hmm. poignant moment. Um, Beyonce singing was also a very poignant moment. Um my one of my favorite moments was um just because of the personal the personal touch of it was Alicia Keys playing Moonlight Sonata. Um just because of the story behind it, because Kobe was just so fierce in wanting to play that for Vanessa and he was gonna learn it. And he did. And he did. And the fact that she was able to play it there for his home going was just a beautiful, beautiful uh event. So And Kobe's oh, still with us. Yeah, I mean mixing up Oprah and shit over oh, the weekend. And that leads me to my blackest moment of the week. <laughs> First of all, Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> oh Oprah, my God, Oprah what an alley you. What a fucking alley you. First of all, Oprah and Gail have just been through it. And I mean, there's so many layers to this conversation as far as with Gail and what Snoop had to say. Um, do I agree with how Snoop snapped on her in the way he did? No, I don't. However, I understood the, 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 the reasoning behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, just because... You know, my take on it is this, like, does she have the right to ask that question as a journalist? Yes. Does she have to go after it more than once? No, because your job as a journalist is to ask the question once. 
Once it has been answered and Lisa Leslie fully answered it, it's time to move on. But when you decide to put your personal commentary on it, that's when you ask to be called what you got called. Do I agree with him calling her that? Eh, no, but I understand that. Look, if that was my friend that passed away and you want to throw salt on his name and smut, uh, throw smut on his name, I might feel it. I might come out of character. Do you feel like what Jada said was accurate? You know, I didn't get a chance to watch Red Table Talk. Um, I think that huh, I did see the part where she got emotional about how when Snoop said what he said, that he was saying that to all black women. Mm-hmm. And he was taking away their power source. And... Um, I don't necessarily agree with that in this particular case. I think that Snoop's comments were pointed directly at Gail. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, but I think that in the larger conversation, um, when, when, um, in our culture, when people get angry at a woman in particular, and it doesn't have to be black man or black woman, it's just that when people get angry at a black woman, our first, our first inclination is to call out of her name. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just the go-to is like, you know, add adjective here as bitch well you know and that's just how it goes and i've seen women do it to other women i've seen men do it to women it's not gender specific except for who the who the target is right the um, subject is always yeah the subject is always woman. usually a woman yeah. and that's how culturally we tend to do it um i don't necessarily in this particular case i i want to i want to give snoop the benefit of the doubt just because of the the, the situation what it was and how how sensitive the situation was. Yeah. Um, and uh, and this is also on the heels of the fact that, let's just be honest, Gail and Oprah have not exactly ingratiated themselves publicly to the black community, um, at least not publicly. I mean, we know that, yes, Oprah has donated to Morehouse. Yes, she has her All Girls Academy in South Africa. As far as African-Americans in this country, she has not publicly ingratiated herself to black community. She doesn't even want to be referred to as auntie, which we all know is a sign of respect. It's a sign of respect in black culture. We know yeah. that's the case. So when you refer to as auntie, that's a sign of respect. But she's like, I don't want to be called auntie. I'm not your auntie. The only person that can call me is my is my nephew. And the same thing goes for Gail. They're on the record saying that. But that's when you become, when you get into a certain tax bracket and you start go, navigating in certain rooms with certain people, you tend to get further away from who you are. Counterpoint. And so, yeah. Counterpoint, the newest the newest set of black billionaires that we've had. Diddy mm-hmm. and the Carters. Mm-hmm. Well, counterpoint in that, but think about what they do for a living. You know, Beyonce and Jay-Z yeah. and Diddy are creatives. Yeah. Oprah is literally a mover and a shaker in an industry which is primarily white, old, male, maybe Jewish, if there is any min- if there's any sign of minority anywhere. Yeah. Okay. So, you yeah, know what I'm I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah, but um. What else? What's some? What's 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 the other black ash thing you saw? Because I I remember my phone blowing up over the weekend. And, well. Well, for me, and this kind of segues into our next segment, but um, for me, the blackest shit that I saw this week goes to one Nia Dennis <laughs> from UCLA gymnastics team who gave us a flawless, flawless. Uh, Beyonce inspired performance at a meet recently that went absolutely viral 
Um, the girl, first of all, UCLA, UCLA Gymnastics has been giving us viral moments for the last couple of years. Really? Yes, they have, because there was oh, a girl one. last year who did a performance, and I think she had Earth, Wind, and Fire as part of her oh, music. Oh, yeah. And she, like, I, and, okay. I mean, and shout out okay. to college gymnastics as a whole, because as we know, in the last year, elite gymnastics at the Olympic level has been absolute trash with the sexual abuse scandal and all of that and how they treat a lot of the girls that are mm -hmm. participating, you know, body shaming and, you know, making them work through injury and they're like, you know, their bodies are still growing. And, right. you know, the college athletic scene is a lot more laid back. Um, they allow the girls to be human, to be human, to show their personality, yeah. to, you know, actually look like women and not look like stunted little boys with hair. Um, so you see a lot of the girls that are competing at college level, they look like women, they have shape, they have curves, and they're allowed and, and they're allowed to do what they do. So shout out again to, to Nia Dennis because what, she did that. <laughs> what did B, what B say on the album? She said it's just it's just not fair. It's just so much damn swag. swag. <laughs> I mean, I watched that girl and I'm I mean like I saw it come across my Twitter feed. Like it, it was like when I, as soon as I opened up my Twitter. This thing was already in like mm -hmm. the several hundred thousand retweets. I'll tell you, and I'm like, oh snap! And she's sticking these landings on the beat. Yes, I mean, and she, I mean, gave us choreography, gave us everything. I mean, it was a beautiful, beautiful performance. And I mean, a lot of times when I look at, like, I watch Olympics and I watch a lot of the gymnastics, obviously, because it's like the like the marquee event of summer games to, uh, outside of track and field. But the thing is, a lot of times these performances can be a little stiff, a little unseasoned. She definitely put the Lowry's in it. She definitely put the Old Bay in it. Um, she put the Santa Maria in it. She put all of it in it. It was beautiful. Yeah. So definitely that was my, the blackest shit I saw this week. Um, if you've seen the blackest shit in your life that just like makes you... my ass son. I mean, Yoko. promise you, go ahead and hit us up on our socials. Please hit us up on our Instagram at Ruthfully Speaking, which is R-O-U-X-F-U-L-L-Y-S-P-E-A-K-I-N-G. Spell it out your whole this time. And you can also hit us up on Twitter at Ruthpod, R-O-U-X-P-O-D, or you can hit us up on Facebook at the Ruthfully Speaking Podcast and uh, let us know the blackest shit that you saw this week. Uh, moving right along into the next segment of Black Excellence. Excellence. Um, what, who are we shouting out this week? Um, I'm going to let you go first. All right, well, uh, stand up, Kansas City, Missouri, because your boy, my boy, Casey's favorite filmmaker, Morgan Cooper, is recently in the news. For those who don't know who Morgan Cooper is, you've been living under a rock, but Morgan Cooper is wow. a filmmaker um, from Kansas City, and he went viral last year with a reinterpretation of The French Prince of Bel-Air as, uh, as a dramatized, more serious adaptation um, <laughs> personal note, uh, my aunt plays uh, his, Will's mother in the movie. Shout out to Sherry Willard Mosley. Uh, shout out to my people's uh, uh, Crystal uh, Coppish for playing uh, Ashley. It was a, a lot of a lot of local Casey actors were used in that particular uh, trailer. It was a, it was yeah it was a it was a fan trailer. Um, it wasn't actually a lot of people thought it was going to be a show. It was that good. I remember that. It, it yeah. was that good, but it was just a fan trailer, but it would be so viral that it ended up hitting Will Smith himself, and he invited Morgan out to talk to him 
one on one on his Instagram uh, feed, and uh, Morgan's basically been moving and shaking in Hollywood ever since. But now he is going to be working with Gabrielle Union on developing a show that is supposed to be set in nowhere else but the best fucking city in the whole fucking world. Kansas you mean the Missouri. home of the... Oh, shit. The home of the Super Bowl champions. You know, <laughs> Super Bowl vintage champions. Yeah, the home of that good barbecue. The home of them potholes. The home of that... Anyway. Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> but anyway. I'm not. I'm not. Home of that good old Mo Dot that don't be picking up the ice on the streets. Ooh. You know what I'm saying? Oh, shit. Yeah, Casey Oh, Mo. goddamn. But uh, definitely oh, shout shit. out to Morgan Wow, Cooper. I was not ready for that one. I was like, comfortable. <laughs> My hat fell off. <laughs> Jesus. But yeah, Morgan is definitely good. He's going to be developing a. Uh, he's going to be developing a a series that is going to be set in Kansas City. I don't know if it's going to be dramatic or if it's going to be comedy, but definitely be on the lookout for that. He's definitely being backed by some of the best in Black Hollywood for sure. So shout out to Morgan Cooper for doing big things and repping Kansas City as always. Word. And so that's my black excellence for show. I got I got two. Hey. Um first we gonna give shout outs to filmmaker and blogger Renee L. Blewett. Mm-hmm. She has a Netflix documentary um called She Did That. Yes, I've seen it. Now you're wondering what it's about. What are what is it about? So it's a wonderful documentary. I watched it today about black women CEOs and entrepreneurs. Um, and the process and um, just the grit and the determination and just to highlight the work that is often um, overlooked. Like black women as entrepreneurs are the largest growing group of entrepreneurs ever. Yes. I mean, like that's just shout out to our entrepreneurs. $54 billion. Dollars. Yes. Amazing, right? Like two years ago. And it's more than 54 Billion. And you know what the funny thing about it is after doing a little bit of research, because after I watched the documentary, I just wanted to check out the check her out. It's yeah. more than doc, a documentary. It's actually a network. It's actually a website that yeah. gets that networks yeah. and connects other black entrepreneurs yeah. with other black entrepreneurs. So mm-hmm. she definitely is celebrating black women doing business for themselves for show. Um, the other one, I want to give a shout out to our illustrious mayor, since we talk about Kansas City. Um uh, so, <laughs> so, Sophie, Sophie, what happened? You know, Quentin Lucas is from, he's from the east side, ain't he? I believe so. And we're, all, we're most black folks for God. Right. But he, he's like, violence in the city is one of the things he's really trying to worry about. Mm-hmm. And somebody got on Twitter with their fingers and was like, I've tried to contact your office multiple times. I sent my times and yada, yada. And, uh, Mayor Lucas Coming back and was just like, well, I checked with my staff. They said no, but uh, here's my personal cell phone number. Pull up? Give me a call or a text. He hit him with the pull up? Dropped a pin and said pull up. Wow. Really? And just like, I will listen to you. He said, I will listen to your ideas as long as the sky is blue. Well, apparently he does listen because, trust me, the arts community was on that ass. Because, uh, yeah, he uh, definitely pulled the arts funding, decided to want to go ahead and put that towards a hotel. And the arts community said, oh, the hell you're not. Right. And, I mean, I appreciate that him. money went right back right quick. Well, I'll say this. I appreciate him for at least understanding and hearing the folks. Like, you know, when the arts community stands up unified and says, look, we will not stand for this. Right. And he listens. Because not, not a lot of politicians will do that. Yeah. So I but when your city is predicated, when your city's history is predicated on the arts community. 
Yeah. And, and we're part of the driving force of your tourism. I think the hotel can wait. Absolutely. Absolutely. They can, you know, they can, they can Airbnb, motherfucker. Right. <laughs> Just pay me, motherfucker. Right. Exactly. Um, exactly. Natasha, what's the, um, what's your excellence this week? Yeah, what's, what's, what black excellence have you seen? You know, I would say to you all that I have really, really been underground, and you know I don't watch television. Mm-hmm. So um, I only go to my mother's house to watch television. But I would have to say in my own home, I saw some black excellence. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it was my daughter decided to go out for lacrosse. She has never played lacrosse before. Wow. Lacrosse is definitely 99.9% black, white. No, it was, I said, it ain't black. black. It's white. And she is just taking it on. I think the ultimate freedom is when you can take your black ass body and place it anywhere and still be your authentic self. And so, um, you know, Naima is not by far bold or in the traditional sense I think of like when people think about me right like she's the very the she's the antithesis of that yeah she's very kind of shy yes yeah um but yeah so I would say like for me that definitely I'm buying lacrosse equipment and I'm thinking and the funny thing is that we have a couple of friends who've played lacrosse before who are also black and so that's that's like <laughs> that's perfect because you right, know there's right. like wait there's, Come, child. Yeah. Come to our tribe. Come join us. There are more of us. Hiding in plain sight. They're set by the door, which is that, you know, wherever we are, it, there is a revolution, and we have to remember that. And mm-hmm. so, um, all the places that we enter, um, I think, are are significant. And then I would also say. The Target honeypot situation. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. Yeah. I, I definitely, uh, yeah, I'm like going to touch that, on that. Yeah, I thought that was it's very, um, just the way we rallied around. I remember, where, why did I even see this commercial? I remember seeing it. And I, and I said to my mother, that is black as hell. I was like, Target's doing black commercials like that. I mean, I just thought the commercial was Amazing, very right? authentic, right? Mm-hmm. She was speaking kind of a podcast like it wasn't mm-hmm. this you know sanitized version of what it means to be black um, right she said the, she was definitely talking about black. it wasn't about diversity yeah it wasn't coded language it was yeah. like i'm talking directly to you black girl you yeah, can do this you can do it i haven't seen the ad I, it came across my feed today and i just didn't get a chance to click it yeah, yeah. i've seen it it's a very well done well done advertisement and shout out to target for allowing the space for people to just speak plain and you know fuck them white folks who had a problem with it. That's yeah, it's just it's oh, just, so there was racist backlash too. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh my god, people can't ever write headlines correctly because here I am thinking Target done went and did some no, stupid no, shit. It looked the headlines look like Target made some fuckery, and now I gotta stop shopping at Target. I was. No. Oh, no. oh my gosh, thank God. Cause yeah. like, you were like, I can't even handle it today, right? Like, I gotta stop shopping at Target now. Like, I, look, and all for good reason, but Chick-fil-A is fucking good as hell. Okay? <laughs> I haven't yeah. had Chick-fil-A in, I don't know how many, whoever said the first time, like, fuck Chick-fil-A, well, I stopped eating at Chick-fil-A. So if I ask you to stop using the N-word, will you? I'm bum, still, bum, I'm still bum. working on it. I'm still working on it. I love that on. word. Oh lord. I love that word. Now I am gonna try to. I think I've already said it twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay, well, so I'm going to try and hold it to two. We're just going to have a jar right here. <laughs> we'll see how rich Natasha gets by the end of the show. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break. Um, on the other side of it, we're going to continue talking to Natasha Rielskar. We're going to get into this book, Mama Sutra, and we'll be right back. And this is episode 202 of the Ruefully Speaking podcast. We are joined in the studio by the one and the only Natasha Ria Elskari, and we are here to discuss her new book, Mama Sutra, Love and Love Making Advice to My Son. And I did that without the book in front of my face. I have gone over that thing so many times just in case I had to be the one to bring it back. Yeah. I was like, I can't mess up this title. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I hope some of y'all are true to this and so you can get the lap in with me. <laughs> <laughs> so Natasha, um, as I've told you off air and now I'm telling you on air, this book is um, dare I say, the shit. Um, it's amazing, and really what I want to kind of start off with, obviously, is the backstory. What was the inspiration for this book and how it came about? Yeah, thank you so much, Angela. You know, I'm such a fan of your work, so I appreciate you. Um, I hold my titties in humbleness. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're awesome, so I appreciate you appreciating my work. Yes! So, um... I guess we're coming up on a year now. My son and I had a conversation on his 20th birthday, and we were on the phone with each other. He lives in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. And, uh, yeah. Journey of a thousand miles. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's really, really white there, too. Oh. Um, and so we have really black ass talks with each other because <laughs> they're necessary it's the collective moment to breathe that moment to breathe right and um and so we we just got into this conversation we were talking more in detail about the things that we've always kind of talked about over the years but we were laughing and just you know joshing around being pretty funny and then he said you know mom i am pretty sure that most of my friends do not have these conversations with their mother. In fact, I'm sure that the majority of them don't. And he was like, I think you should write a book and I think you should name it Mama Sutra and thank me later. (laughs) And when he said that, um, at this point, it was about 2.30 in the morning. We had been caca keying on the phone all that time. Um, I felt this like tingle in my belly, which is the thing that we are every artist gets it we all get it as humans some people ignore it but we get that still small voice that is like you need to really think about that and so um he came home in may and i said hey i really am serious about this book i think i should sketch it and he talked when i you know i talked about it a few times and so we got together on a google doc and we just started to you know put it together um and then i really went in and i would say hey take a look at page four this is what i'm thinking about and he would say oh don't forget this or mention that and so we talked about the things like sections versus chapters you know i did a 
a few non-traditional things uh, in the book. And I really um, think that that is just the beauty of how it started was it was very organic and it was about our conversations around sex that we've been having uh, since he was about two. I really appreciate the fact that this book, first of all, for those people who are not readers, this is a book that is going to read very easy. It's very digestible. Yeah, it is. Um, the fact that you decided to go away from having the classic chapters was really important. I love the fact that <laughs> I love some of the headings because one of the things that I one of the things that jumped out and it was one of those moments where you know you're you're reading mm-hmm. quietly and you know sometimes people are nosy. Oh, please um, tell me somebody got you. You oh, got somebody looking over that yes. shoulder. Yes, it was amazing because what ended up happening was I ended up landing. I was like I was in I was in my normal haunt of you know being you know in my hookah bar. And uh, the the line, how big is your dick, question mark, came up. And someone oh. looked over, and their eyes got really big. And I was like, you know, first of all, mind your business. Um, I'm reading. <laughs> but I appreciate the fact that you kind of made it very, it's very digestible. Yeah. It's very relatable. Um, I also love the fact that you, on after every section, you did questions to consider, um, which opens up a conversation. Um I think that was really important. Why was that important for you to go ahead and add that part? Um, I, I wanted to add that part for two reasons. One, I was um, at first watch one day with a, with myself, maybe meeting someone, and I ran into a woman that I know a little bit, but we don't know each other super well. And she was there with her best friend who I was meeting for the first time. Mm. And she and I ended up sitting outside, all three of us, on first watch talking about our sexual lives for like two and a half hours and it was just such a beautiful black woman moment where you're like yeah I know each other it's like not really (laughs) but we do (laughs) right I know um, enough (laughs) yeah and so uh, when I was talking about the structure of the book you know she said I really do think that you should have meditations and I know that the connotation that meditation has for a lot of people who um, are afraid of meditation. Um, So I instead refer to it as contemplations Mm -hmm. uh, because they are not necessarily tied to, you know, the the practice of stillness, but it is tied to the practice of reflection. Mm -hmm. And my son helped me with some of the questions because one of the things that he said was, if they don't want to take in your voice as the truth, you are giving them an opportunity to place their own voice in the text Mm -hmm. so that they can grapple with it, right? And that's what I want. This is not designed for me to push myself as the absolute truth as far as sex and intimacy, love and lovemaking. But instead, I wanted to have this one-stop shop. Mm -hmm. And I really do feel like I have created that right yeah. this one-stop shop for if if a young man between the ages of 12 and 25 ran into this book and actually read it he would be a better lover so i i haven't gotten that deep so far like i haven't gotten to where andrew's gotten mm-hmm. yet um because i am i <laughs> no we talked about it i, I haven't gotten up. i haven't gotten a lot of quiet time um there's a lot of transition work-wise and 
family-wise going on, so I haven't really had a lot of like quiet time just to dive into books. My book list grows by the day, but I read the forward in like part of the first section, and immediately it's like, oh snap, these are things that I already like you subconsciously know, but now they're brought to the forefront, and it got to one point where I was like, I stopped and just passed the book over to my partner and was like, hey, read this, like read this real quick, and she read it, and from then on, like for an hour, we sat and we're talking about maybe three pages of a book. Mm -hmm. So I think that that discussion piece, it it opens and lends yourself. I think it allows us as the reader to write ourselves into this narrative. Yes. And I think that's especially important for, I don't know how much is out there that's honoring how African-Americans come into their sexuality. I don't really know if we really have talked about that from a nonfiction standpoint. Right. Um, you know, we have videos or we have, um, you know, books about, but not, but when we really sit down and think about it. And so I want people to be able to go back and forth and ask themselves the questions that I'm putting forth as a black mother. Mm-hmm. I'm putting forth as a as a woman who's had a black mom and grandmothers, but also who has her own black children and has helped raise other children that were not hers. Mm-hmm. You know, what are the questions that we need to be asking? And um, and then it's on my own personal belief and idea that the world needs more lovers. And I'm not just talking about sexual lovers, but we, meet, we need to be more lovers to each other. Mm. And I believe that, you know, lovemaking is a beautiful, it's not a sedative, but it is, um, it is a calmer. Yeah, it's you know? the balm. Right. Yeah. It's like drinking lavender and chamomile and listening to Gregory Porter. You know. Oh, right. you know what, what a I, warm I, moment you just is, described. She's got a love oh my for this. God. <laughs> no, she doesn't love Gregory Porter. She loves I mean, but that imagery, yes. I mean, that's like, you know, that's somewhere along the lines of like a good Tennessee tea, mm-hmm. a cigar, and PJ Morton for me. Absolutely, yeah, for absolutely. sure. Like, right, and that, that always makes the world better, right? Yeah. And, and how do we take ourselves into the world and be like that with each person we interact with? Yeah. Um, and so lovemaking is a tool to better our lives mm-hmm. and um, also to better the lives of the people that we're making love to and with. So I am passionate about sex and intimacy, love and lovemaking, and I want it to create my own offering and I did I never thought that it would end up this way mm-hmm. you know that it would be like a, a primer uh, for my son but I'm glad that it is that way it's so interesting because when black men come to buy the book they are so weird and quiet and <laughs> uh, let me get this for my you know I'm like you don't have to explain who you're getting it for or you know why you're getting it um, so yeah, so it's just kind of one of those things. So this is your offering. So did you ever start in the process of like sketching out the book and starting to write? Did you ever say um, what's the counterpoint? And did you ever, you know, how did you, I don't know, balance that of, you know? The... Oh, well, you know, I, I really have worked hard to um, always not write or live my life from the white gaze right mm. and come on Tony Morrison as well as from the patriarchal gaze 
And anyone who knows me knows that that is actually true. Like Very I, true. I, I really just kind of beat to my own drum and I tried to tell my authentic truth. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did here. And my truth doesn't, I don't think it is exclusionary. I do think it's specific, yeah. but I don't think it's exclusionary. Um, I think that anyone, regardless of how they identify through orientation or um, or through gender, I think they could still benefit from the book greatly. Not necessarily specifically to the to the vagina to penis discussions around sex, but, but the heart to heart. Yeah, but everything else, yeah. right? Like you know, um, I think everything else is is worth a conversation. So, and I think most books are like that. We may not find all of it relevant to us, but we can find the bulk of it mm-hmm. interesting and relevant to us. So I don't think this book is any different in that way, but it is definitely written from a, a heterosexual perspective. That's good. You know, I was recently, you know, in the Twitter streets, um, and I kind of think it's, you know, kind of follow me here where I'm going with this, but um, there was a, a, there's a rapper named Young M.A. who recently made mm-hmm. uh, uh, some comments about there's no R&B anymore r&b is not balancing there's not a whole lot anymore mm-hmm. and I, I i strongly disagree you just ain't looking in the right spots yeah but um i will say that she does have a point in the fact that you know when you make you made a real you're making a real differentiation between sex intimacy and love making yeah um with your son being his age and i noticed that there is a there is a a deficit of like an emphasis on love making and it's definitely been manifested through the music and through the images like do you think that his generation will be able to relate to this considering the type of images and you know music messages that are being put out there i think for because me and me and nasir are like right here at the same spot yeah. And I, as soon as you said that, the, the 50 cent line came in my head. I'm not here to make love. I just want to fuck. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's really and that line came out over 20 years ago. So I think there there is a difficulty. It really depends on how you were raised. Yeah. It yeah. depends on how you were raised. Like Jeffrey Osborne, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Mm-hmm. Luther, Luther. Fat Luther. Let's say Luther. Big Luther. Yeah. Right? Anita Baker, Sade. It depends on how you're raised. It, it, when we're talking about music. Because like there, I can oh, sparkle comes on, mm-hmm. and I'm with my partner. Oh, come here. Yeah. We ain't even got we ain't even got dance. Just let me, just let me hold on to you, Lenny Williams. <sighs> Lenny Williams. Yeah. And I think you definitely. Um, you have an old soul. I have an old, yeah. soul and old music taste. And to I to answer your question, Angela, I feel like that that's, is that's why difficult. that's one of the reasons that I've written this because. While we hear these things within a patriarchy, we're not naturally designed to be doggish with each other. Exactly. We really aren't. And I and I tell people, if you've ever held a baby boy or a baby girl, they all like to be kissed, hugged, cuddled, and loved. Mm-hmm. And then we start infecting children with these ideas about what they can and can't be based on their gender. And then we have music, and then we have this. and you know, it's true. I do think the music that you were raised on is important. Um, you know, as a professional home twerker, 
uh, the singles coming out, Sparkin' and Burks. And, uh, I am so excited. I am so excited. Oh, somebody, yes. Can we get the exclusive? When it comes out, we're going to play it right here. Sparkin' yeah. my bird. Yes. I, I do feel like, and I talk about it in the book, there's room for all those levels of love. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. So, um, you know, when we're, when we're, you know, in my mind, it the song is um, I wanna what is it? Yeah, yeah, give it to me now, give it to me now. Little oh yeah, yeah. And, uh, I wanna lick, 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 lick you from your head to your toes. Right. Yes. Right. And then you have like Petty P. And then you have <laughs> like you know. As I stand and sit, turn off the light. Yeah. Wait, yes. but when Teddy gets, I was watching Kings of Comedy, and that's why I'm like really laughing, because when Teddy gets upset, turn off. Turn off. <laughs> yes. Yeah, oh, my bad. My bad. Right. My bad. Right. Yeah. So I mean, and I talk about a little bit of that too, Sorry. right? I talk about position and dominance, oh, all those different things, and so there is a space for that. But um, I think that there is so much more conversation around that because. There's a there's a line in the song that I that I really love, uh, a new song by Skip Marley, the grandson of Bob Marley, mm-hmm. and he said we can have just one night or we can have all of our life if we play it cool, and I wow. love that song. We can have just one thing or we can have everything mm-hmm. if our heart is true. So that is what I feel like the book is about: being one authentic in what you want. Being honest and truthful with a potential partner about where you are, you know, because then it gives women and men the chance and opportunity to say if they're game or not. A lot of the times the hurt that we endure both sexually and, you know, emotionally comes from a lack of communication and a lack of consent. So that is a thread that's throughout the book. I hope that you could. Absolutely. It's. Go ahead. No. So for me, I definitely noticed it because for me, one of the things that you really drove home, specifically talking to Nasir, but at a lot, but at macro talking to the reader, if you are with this, cool. If you are not, it's okay. But make sure you let them know that, yeah. and make sure you listen to what they mm-hmm. say as well. And I thought that was very important. I think that you know, when you the the, the biggest takeaway for me was making sure that one, you honor yourself. And honor, and then secondly, honor your partner. Yeah. And I thought that was very important. Like, yeah. if there's anything to to gain from it, even from a non-sexual, um, if you take the sex out of it, right. mm-hmm. it's just really about honoring yourself and honoring your partner. Yeah, and I feel like I'm not really big into censorship except for the N word. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry too. You, I know you're sorry right, too. Say? But but I think I think that it's important to add to the conversation. Like I'm not out here trying to tell people not to listen to popular music or any of that but I am saying I want to add this to the conversation and just tell me how it lands for you because a lot of times I think in a patriarchy we may we may be thinking that somebody likes something but they've never really asked the question do you like mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. do you want to listen to this mm-hmm. does this turn you on mm-hmm. you know does this I mean we are all different kinds of lovers uh, regardless of our gender and so you know have we asked black men, do you want to be tough and rugged all the time? Have we asked them that question? Right. We yeah. really, and so and when we get in those intimate spaces, we get to do that. Yeah. One of the reasons that I really love um, the director of Moonlight is because of the deep level of intimacy that mm. 
that he displayed in his work, yeah. like, you know, between as Bill Street could talk, and it's all this space for this unspoken stuff, right? Right, even but, the, like, the scene, so that, well, yeah, the scene that came to mind really was the scene that I think got Mahershala Ali the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. The water. Was the scene in the water yeah. where he was basically, I got you, I got you, don't worry, don't be afraid, I got you. It was a bigger conversation. Yes, it was about the water, but literally it was about fear. My scene. And, and giving over to your vulnerability because someone's going to hold you. And that, like, that is yeah. being a lover. Right. Yeah. In that moment, yeah. that is where you learn that you can be safe in another person's arms. It's, it's asking the question, I think, and it's, it's asking the question, am I willing enough to let you hold my suitcases full of shit mm -hmm. and I do the same with you and I'm just gonna hold on for as long as possible yeah. like can you do that yeah. it, and, and I think and can you be willing to walk into that space of the unknown and be comfortable with enough just knowing at least I'm not carrying the suitcase alone mm -hmm. right and I, and I think for black people in particular because we because uh, generationally mm -hmm. we carry so many traumas that have been passed down traumas that we're not even fully yeah. aware of it does stunt um, or it does create a disconnect in our ability to be vulnerable in our ability to love wholly yeah um, and I really hope sincerely like I do believe that by reading this book it may not heal but it may open the door for it'll, the opportunity to heal it'll reveal those unknown traumas yes it'll reveal it'll reveal, it'll reveal the unknown trauma and it'll reveal the unknown trigger because yeah. you know sometimes there are traumas that you've endured that you can't identify as trauma but it hurt you way back when mm -hmm. and now you have a hairpin trigger for it and you can't ever figure out why you know, when, and this is just a off chance. Yeah, why example. don't I like to be handcuffed? Probably because I was handcuffed by the police. Right? Or <laughs> why don't I like it? Why don't I like it when children stick their teeth at me as an educator? Why don't I like that? Oh, it's because I used to get hit in the mouth when I sucked my teeth. Like, no, mm -hmm. <laughs> you just, you're not going to do that. But that's a trigger that until somebody told me, like, yeah. Right. I, I even asked a question about people's relationship with water. Um, mm -hmm. in love making, you know, yeah. I do ask that question because I talk about what it's like to bathe and shower together. Mm -hmm. Um, there, you know, I was thinking about the three ways that the book kind of approaches, and it's been very difficult to market. I will say that because, in one sense, it is a feminist text mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it is about dismantling. So, my son said it's part memoir, so in my sharing. And in instructing my son, I'm also deconstructing the patriarchal mother, mm -hmm. which is that your mother has a sex life that she's about to share with you. Right. You know, which is which is very like it's a daunting task. A, I will yeah. say, like I and imagine, definitely shoot and, shots across the bow for religious folks. Exactly, and so that is a big taboo that gets unearthed, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and then it is, you know, we talk about, um, you know protecting our men but the whole black boy joy mm -hmm. i mean this is a book that is for men but it's for women mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so i have had some mothers read the book and you know for their sons and then they're like i needed this book mm -hmm. 
Because if you go through it as a human and you ask yourself the questions, and some of them are fun, right? Some right. of the questions are fun, but others are like, ooh, okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a deep breath, like take it in, sit with it, yeah. let it, let it sit in your soul for a little while before you answer. I know for myself, I, I really found it very therapeutic in the sense that it was able to kind of like, I was able to ask myself some pretty hard questions. Um, in regards to my own history, not even necessarily sexually, but just in relationship period mm-hmm. and how that may have manifested in sexual encounters. Or even in our introduction to sex. Definitely. Because I can say, I know for myself, the talk didn't happen. Yeah. Like the talk did not happen. Um, it, it happened because I was at least, I, I, I shout out to, shout out to responsibility and just shout out to, to presence of mind just know um you know have birth control mm-hmm. um and for me my mom found out that i was sexually active by finding my birth control and how did that go man it was awkward because it did not we didn't have a conversation about it mm. we did not have a conversation about it it wasn't until months later that she asked me point blank you know what, yeah and it was it was very yeah. awkward for me just because it came out of left field it wasn't like i need yeah. to, it wasn't presented like hey I need to talk to you about something. No, she just point blank came out the blue while I was watching basketball. Hey, are you? Mm-hmm. And I was My- like, whoa, hey, I wasn't prepared for that. <laughs> right. And you know where the preparation is weird because if we don't, if we're not showing our children who we are as sexual beings, it is going to be so difficult to have the conversation with them when it comes time to talk about their sexuality. It's just like any other conversation. If I come to you and I say, hey, How's your penis doing today? You're gonna be like, Whoa, what? Yeah. Yeah. That chuckle that I'm like, I'm just gonna say, you know what? Have you used that lavender soap on your penis? Because I use it on me and I'm itching. Then you're gonna <laughs> answer the question differently, right? Come way differently. And way I, differently. That's with, so true. Yeah. Because like I I remember to the day when my mama had like the concrete evidence that I was now a man. <laughs> like, so like I was at work. I'm at work and um I was working at a at a fast food restaurant at the time and um I had a massive load of homework to do that night too. So I'm like trying to bust these suds, get these dishes done so I can get out and go home. And my mom is like blowing my phone up, blowing my phone up. And like, doesn't like when I finally get done with dishes and I call her back, she was like, "You need to bring my car home right now." Yada yada. And I'm like, "I'll be home when I get off work. Like, I can't just walk out. Like, it doesn't work that way. Like, I'll lose my job. <laughs> I know it's your car, but I can't leave. So, what can we do?" All right. So I get home and she just like throws the trash can at me. Like I walk in and she throws the trash can at me. And what? Like, you got who the fuck did you have in my house? I mean. Oh. blew up but granted because i violated the sanctity of the home however comma we hadn't had a conversation about the sanctity right, of the and home I'm like, and where do you have sex that's safe right like, I like can, where do you go i can i i, <laughs> right. I was doing i was doing it i was doing it in their cars but i'm too tall for that shit and, <laughs> well, i just so happened to hit a great point when neither my sister you or found the you sweet spot were of home, availability <laughs> and i didn't have to be at work or at school she didn't either 
Yeah, classic case of time, space, and opportunity. <laughs> I felt it. froggy, and so I don't. <laughs> right. But so then, you know, I got the intimidation of, well, what are the people at church going to think? And what example does that set for your sister? Wait, is that the Do first you... thing that she said? Was that the no, 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 not that yeah. was not the first thing. It was like the first thing was, did you actually use protection? Who is okay. this chick? Get her parents on the phone because they need to know. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Like, my, my mom went there. It was like a, we, we, like, and then after she finally calmed down and I was just like, I'm going to give you a second and I'm going to go like, how old were you? 16 or 17. Mm-hmm. Se- no, 17. 17. Yeah, I think what Born ends up happening is just like when you, you kind of talked about the idea of, you know, yeah. the patriarchal mother. I think in, in, on the flip of that, a lot of times our parents see us still as the baby the that baby. they held yep. and not the full grown, mature, mm-hmm. like physically mature mm-hmm. man or woman that stands before them. Yep. So unfortunately, that's something that has to be deconstructed as well. It does. But, it definitely has to be deconstructed or, or that we allow a space to discuss that we come to the planet as sexual beings. Yep. And that your sexuality, and I don't like the shaming that we do of young people when they are having very naturally occurring sexual feelings. I remember being a teenager and just thinking, like, is my pussy ever going to stop twitching? You know what I mean? I would be like, I'm focused, but oh my God. (laughs) That's crazy you say that because the conversations prior to that moment had all been very kind of technical and the spiritual like protect yourself etc and then we have like the we have like this chaotic moment but about 45 minutes into the chaotic moment i'm just sitting there looking at it like and at some point you're gonna calm down and then you're actually gonna like come back and be the mom that i know and tell me like i'm the coolest motherfucker that you ever gonna meet so how was it <laughs> and no. that is exactly where we went good. and from then That's on good. oh my god i, could I, call my I mom can tell you that was anything. not that was not the experience i mean for me it was um, great you know my uh my my sister and i are we we're i'm the youngest she's the oldest and we're three there's a mm-hmm. there's a son in the middle and my sister was much older than me my sister's 11 years older than me mm-hmm. sorry i have you deal with it um, I mean, they don't know how but, old you are, so she's like, <laughs> yes, that's right. But nah, my, my sister ended up um, becoming pregnant um, out of high school, and my mom had a full-on freakout. Like it was, it was a explosion of emotions, really was. And me being young at the time, I was in elementary school. You know, my little brain could only process. So okay, you were like six or seven. Right? Yeah, I was six or seven years old when that happened. So, essentially, my little brain could process this. If I end up pregnant, this will happen. These bad things will happen. Mm -hmm. And so, I'm not going to do that thing, whatever that was, because I didn't know what it was. I'm not going to do that thing that's going to cause that, that's going to get me potentially kicked out of the house. Mm -hmm. So, it became a thing where sex was a very negative thing. It That was my entryway into it. Mm -hmm. And so being a girl it was almost like i'm going to throw myself in as many activities as i possibly can because the term at the time was oh was boy crazy you don't want to be boy crazy right you don't want to be fast or you know hot in your loins you don't want to be out here 
you want to get burned. You want to be out here. No, no, just no. Hot. Like literally, mm-hmm. like you're not you're not honoring the fact that I am a teenager with raging hormones. We're going to shut that off. That's not that's not a that's not an yeah. option. Right. So we're going to throw ourselves in as many activities and make ourselves as busy as possible so that does not happen. There are no time for boyfriends. There are no times to I like this boy. But that don't stop. But that it, don't stop. That hot shower, that don't stop. It doesn't, but, but I think for myself, once I got into my 20s, yeah. the thing that was really difficult to navigate was turning that off and mm-hmm. realizing I'm an adult. And I can, I can have sex, and yeah. sex is good, and sex is to be, you know, if sex is to be, you know, to to be a good thing, it's 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 healthy. It was always the back of your mind: don't get pregnant, don't do this, don't, you know. And it was like it it was almost like it, I couldn't enjoy it fully because there was always that heavy consequence that was embedded into my six year old, yeah. seven year old brain. So let me ask you this: um, and this is kind of a slow pitch, but like. what was the um what was the spiritual side of that experience at the same time because like you we we all or not we all but we are very familiar with the dramatic side of it but what in your mid-20s and when you got to the point where you're like oh this is like actually this is okay how did your home faith life or your adult faith life faith life affect that if at all um, it didn't necessarily affect it at all per se. I didn't feel like, oh, I was going to hell. If that's what mm-hmm. you're asking, no, that's not what Pretty I felt. Much. No, I didn't feel. Like Had I was... you been taught that though? No. Okay. Like my my ironically enough, my my family we were we were what I call uh Easter to uh to to uh preseason Christians. That is to say, we stopped going to church <laughs> once the Chiefs started playing football. Um, that's just facts. Uh, so Easter, Mother's Day, Christmas. No, not even that. No, no, we didn't go during the football season. No. Like I think that like God was in the house, but we weren't. We it wasn't a Bible thumping, fire and brimstone type of thing. So it Easter, like, Chris, or Easter, Easter Mother's, Mother's Day, Fourth of July, if Pastor's anniversary is a yeah, summer maybe or maybe, spring. maybe spring revival. You know, okay, yeah, fill the pews Sunday, that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. But you know, my parents weren't. My parents were pretty laxed on the the spiritual side. Like, look, it was literally we were given the choice. Mm-hmm. Like honestly, it wasn't something that was literally so, beat so into the me. Sex, the sex wasn't tied to the guilt. It wasn't in spirituality. No, it was not tied to dogma. To you being fast as a girl. Oh yeah, it was cause and effect, definitely. Yeah. And so, so and and even like that is the other thing that I want people to think about. Like what kept you from your sex and sexuality, and ultimately your full expression sexually, mm-hmm. because those things will thwart our um, full expression and that is always the thing that we have to grapple with and be concerned about i have been very careful uh, with both my children i don't know if i've done it well or perfectly but i remember my mother always telling me i could tell her anything yeah she didn't tell me anything and then i remember i was feeling like that maybe i thought that i wanted to try sex like you know, me and my boyfriend had gotten pretty hot and heavy, and I was like, I kind of feel like I think I might really want. And then my mom, I told her, and I mean, she was like, you can't go anywhere. You can't. It was like, I was like, oh, 
So she hits you with she hits you with the okie doke. Yeah, it's the parental okie doke. And, and, and yeah. I remember that that you tell me really anything, really bothered yeah. me. And because my mother has always been a woman of great integrity, but at that moment, I just was like, "What did you lie to me?" Mm-hmm. And the only other lie she ever told to me was the lie that there was a Santa Claus, to which I was very, <laughs> very angry. I have been duped. (laughs) And I was was angry because I'm like, why would you lie to me? Just tell me. So I always have been really tied to the truth Mm -hmm. of something. And so if my children are like, mom, you didn't say that. You said I could. or, And I'm like, oh, I did. I will go back and correct it. Or how I like to enter those conversations that are difficult for me. And I'll say, may I share with you my fears? And then I say, may I share with you my concerns? Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, okay, now I want to hear from you. And that's good. And so, oh, that's good. Yeah, because the fears, fears and concerns are very different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Fear is driven by its own. Fear has a really a very vivid imagination. And it's <laughs> oh, like, yeah, it, it's, it's super it's, wild. The, 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 the story you tell, no. right? Yeah. And then concerns are real. So obviously I have concerns mm-hmm. about pregnancy and concerns about, you know, um, STIs. STIs and you know, I have concerns about your emotional health, right. right? Like, are you emotionally ready? Right. And that's always the question that I ask young people. Where are you emotionally? Because that is a big part that we don't teach when our own emotional intelligence around sex. You know, you have to know if you can deal with a one-night stand. Everybody's Ooh. not built for it. Right. You know, true. everybody's not built for a one-night stand. That is unnerving and you know, and I, I am in constant negotiation with, you know, a lover that I have, what I want in our relationship. It's a constant negotiation. And this weekend, I was like, you know, throw it all away. And he was just like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, I don't want it. <laughs> you know, but I mean, it was so real for me. And I said it just like that. I don't want it. <laughs> so throw the whole, yeah. throw, throw them all wait, away. Wait, nope. Yeah, I was like, no. And, you know, I was was on this whole, like, you don't love me and you don't care about me. And he was like, where is this coming from? And so when I was forced to have to use my words, which was like being super vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And I was telling my daughter this weekend that vulnerability, it doesn't get easier. Oh, no. But it is a great practice because... You'll just do it more, but I don't, I mean, I am just as shy about sharing my feelings sometimes as the next person, but I do it enough to where it is a practice and to where it becomes uncomfortable if I don't share. Right, because really now you sit right? and, and you feel, And you're stewing and, and pining. My, mom, my, mom was, <laughs> my mom used to call me little coke can because I would have these, I, not explosions, implosions, right? Like you, you now have driven yourself and this is the beauty of having a mother and aunts who are all in the counseling social work yes. field because, I mean, yes, it's not unbiased, but also it is unbiased because they are very good. As black women, they have the innate skill of, com- of compartmentalization. Yeah. They can do it. So, like, I've had several anxiety attacks where my mom was just like, and how do you feel about that? Yeah. And use your words. And like to have those moments, I'm yeah. like, oh my gosh. I, I see that in you though. You're so expressive and comfortable with your expression. I 
that was one of the first things I noticed about you. You were, when we met, you were just very much like present, looking me face to face in the eye, openly expressing how you felt. And I was like, who is this dude? This is such a breath of fresh air. You know what I mean? And so I can tell that you have been properly coached throughout your life and have been told that you can feel. Yeah. That it's okay for you to feel. But you got to think about it. There's so many people out there who are right. broken and they don't get a chance to to express, you know, their feelings. So let me ask y'all this. In the last week or so, it's kind of where the vitriol has now kind of subsided, but we saw, we, we've seen a great example of sex positive parenting in Gabrielle Union and Dwayne Wade mm-hmm. um, with Zaya's coming out. Uh, and this is over the past like couple months, Zaya's coming out and then announcing pronouns and then announcing a gender swap, mm-hmm. not a sex swap, a gender swap. So what do you think then are you, or what thoughts, if any, do you have here? Um, either for Dwayne and Gabrielle or for the, the people in the vitriol and the homophobic space over there? Well, um, I have a lot of different views about this, and I want to just first start by saying that the views expressed here are mine and not the views of you all. Amen! <laughs> so first, I, um, I would be very hard-pressed to... I have not been able to pinpoint anything that would prevent me from loving my children. Mm-hmm. And um, when children don't feel like they have been born into whatever it, that means, which is a different conversation, our job as parents is to love them through all of their evolutions. And I hate the word phase. I hate that word um, because it implies that it's not significant or lasting or that if something is not lasting, that it's not significant. So mm. I, hate, mm-hmm. I hate calling things a phase, right? Mm-hmm. I prefer to call things a relationship um, or a journey or a growth or an experience mm-hmm. because those are grounded in like, this is on my path. And so mm-hmm. as parents, you know, I mean, this is not the same thing, but my daughter went through a phase where she wanted to be called Butterfly Momo. Okay. And so... Um, she would only answer to Butterfly Momo, and I emailed her teachers and just said, hey, you just have to call her Butterfly Momo, and she was just like, listen, if I go to school and somebody doesn't call me Butterfly Momo, I'm not answering, right? Then she went through um, a name adoption where she was Nemo. She felt like she didn't want to have an African name, and she thought people were laughing at her, mm-hmm. and so she adopted Nemo, mm-hmm. and that is still a nickname that she has, like, she told all the teachers, I want you to call me Nemo. She went to a new school. And so it was like all this. So seventh and eighth grade, she was Nemo. Right. right. And I would go to the school. They're like, hey, Nemo. Bye, Nemo. Oh, you're Nemo's mom. And I'm like, who the hell is Nemo? <laughs> She's like, who? I said, am I being popped? What's going yeah. on? And, um, and so at home, I call her Asha, which is her middle name. Mm-hmm. And if someone calls her Asha, she's like, whoa. Mm-mm. You don't have clearance. You don't have, you don't have yeah. clearance on that. And, um, and you know, we call her a lot of things. We call her Sissy. We call her Sissy Poo. But the idea of self-naming, right, mm-hmm. That um, that is really important. I think that they are really trying to bring voice to this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 
you all know I'm very transparent and right. my son is pretty open, but my daughter and my mother are super private people. Mm -hmm. And so I have had to step lightly and navigate this world. You know, mm -hmm. if you see a picture of my daughter on social media, I got full written permission. She will literally say, you can post this, you can say this. And if she finds out from someone that I've said something and I was like, Babe, I didn't even know. She said, you didn't ask me. And I'm like, okay, I'll pull it down. She's like, never mind, but just like, let me know so people don't just come up to me and be like, oh, I heard you were on this. Uh -huh. So, you know, I have not, I mean, she wanted me to wait for several weeks before I announced lacrosse and things like that. So I, whereas my son is like, he's just more business mm -hmm. and he's always been that way. And so um, he's like, you don't get privy to that information. Um, but other things he's super open and expressive about. So I think that um, in when we when new things happen, sometimes we have to really nurture them in an incubator, and we got to get strong before we put them out in the world. Right. Um, you know, I'm currently going through some things that I I typically post in retrospect. Right. I don't post in the moment a lot of times unless it's a joy right because i need to be strong enough for whatever is going to come if, yeah if, if it's something big i need to be able to say "Ooh, all these questions Ooh, you know so i've had a few friends say hey i i heard what's up and i'm like i wasn't ready for the questions they they were just bothering me mm -hmm. and so i just had you know so that's and i don't think there's anything wrong with what they're doing now i do struggle with aspects of the tea yeah, and, and, that's, and that's honest. And I and I, I refuse to, my son and I have discussed this, and my daughter, and I refuse to allow people to tell me that I'm not progressive um, because I struggle with the T. And this is why. Um, you know, women can wear boy shorts and boyfriend shirts, we call them. Mm -hmm. They can wear their men's, their men's, the men's underwear. Suits and because all that. women have, we keep expanding what it means to be a woman. Mm. And we expand our gender to fit all of us. I am not a woman who is traditionally feminine. I was raised traditionally feminine, but I am not that. I rarely wear a bra. I don't like underwear. I don't wear makeup. I am not going to be walking around necessarily showing off my body in the truth. I'm really not, you know, binded by those gender rules. Right. But I, and so, you know, even my gay friends will say that they'll call my shoes lesbianic. I have a friend who always says, oh, you got on them lesbianic burks. <laughs> but even that, right? Like, this idea that she's right. It's so funny. And I was like, here you are, a gay man, telling me who what it is for me to be a woman. Mm -hmm. I was like, I want you to sit with that. You're, you're trying to tell me. Mm -hmm. You're a man. You're trying to tell me what it is to be a woman. And so, I believe that it is important for us to expand within our gender mm -hmm. to include everyone that is of that sex versus saying i'm gonna now be you 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 know you'll just never be a woman i don't care i used to put on my dad's boots and you know what i mean throw on his jacket and his hat and that didn't make me a man that was just a woman doing that and so i think that one of the big issues that we have and I know that I'm coming from a very straight perspective. I don't think that we um, should punish people for having questions and not agreeing. Like, it's right. okay for us not to agree. And I don't feel like 
you know, the long, we don't know the long, long term impacts of hormones and changes. I mean, we're going to evolve into several beings right. throughout our lives. And those permanent things are very scary to me to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, how I don't know how different him wanting to be a her and referring to a her as Zaya now is any different from my daughter saying, I want to be Butterfly Momo and I want to be Nemo. Right. Ooh, and we good. literally yeah. called her that, right? right? And I remember my son at the table saying, I don't want to call you Butterfly Momo anymore. And I just said, this is the name she wants to go by. Right. So I have friends whose children have transitioned or are transitioning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a it's just an ongoing dialogue, just like sex, just like yeah. intimacy, just like lovemaking. But I want to say this. Nothing removes a person's right, worthiness, or desire to be loved. And they should be loved exactly where they are, as they are, and who they are. Yeah. Fair. That should never be removed. And I think when you, my my response for all of it is like, because I even had to like cuss and cut my cousin off. Because after a certain point, I had to say, just admit that you are being homophobic and transphobic. And you just want to mask it by saying, well, that ain't just, that just ain't a, that, that you know, well, that ain't that, of God. That ain't of God. It's not an age appropriate decision. Uh, 12 well, year olds don't know what they're doing. When I let my daughter wear full face of makeup, people right. don't know. To school. You know, I yeah. did because she loved it. She was into it. I let her wear full face. You know, they don't even know what sex is at 12. And I That's just had true. to respond no. back and say, at 12 years old, I knew that I liked, what grade was I in? I, I knew who I liked. I can't say her name, but I knew who I liked and Absolutely. I know why the hell I liked her. Right. I, I I really want people to understand that, you know, hmm, let's just put it this way. Uh, Zaya's how old? 12? 12. I went to my first baby shower in seventh grade. Which means she was pregnant in sixth grade. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Ooh, come you, on. Do you get it? Come on. Like, cause honestly, like I didn't know what it was about him, but I liked him, mm-hmm. and I liked what he, I liked whatever he was giving off, and that was what in kindergarten, first grade. Yeah, boys had cooties publicly, but privately. That nigga got uh milk. Oh, that's three. Dog on it. Oh, but that. He got he got milk. He will push me on the swings. Yeah, um, he so shares his he shares his he shares snacks. Yeah, I was I was yeah. into twelve was Trey songs for me. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah right. I, I, <laughs> the neighbors know this, my name. I'm getting this body roll right. I, hey, I ain't gonna lie. I mean, you know, it was like that was what silk lose control. Yeah, like, I was I was out here like yep. Let's get up now. So I said, "Tia, say stop." I wasn't saying it out loud to my parents, but when yeah. your soul was on, I was singing it. Look. Show was. So what I'm saying is, let's let's not let's not front and act like they're too young to know when we all know what we know and well, we knew when we knew it. And I think I think that <laughs> I think that clarity is actually something that young people have more than older people. Amen to that. Mm. I'll be like, that. I don't want to eat that. I don't want to go there. I don't want them to kiss me. I, I don't, don't want to hold that me. person. Right. <laughs> we're, we're young. We are so I, clear. No means no. Like, yeah, children. we're so clear. And so can I, can, I, so I disagree yeah. with that he, that she doesn't know herself. I don't right. like, 
I don't believe that, but I think that we are ever evolving yep. human beings. I completely agree. And and that and that it's not a journey for everyone. So I don't profess to know it, but when I saw that that uh, soul that that young person talk, they were pretty clear. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, they were clear. Right. And um and I just wish that because there are a lot of men who like to wear their girlfriend's underwear, y'all. They out here and they straight. <laughs> you heard it here first. Like, yeah, it's a, that is a that's a, a shocker. Yeah, it's a lot. Wow. Like to do things that people and it's like, oh, that's gay. All oh, that's gay. Hey, like, hey, hey. Victor might be in your Victoria's secretions. Might be. And then it's like because Look. we don't we don't allow a space for that. You know, one of the things that I tell people is that I'm a very forward and assertive woman, but in bed. I am very much the opposite. And I allow that space for myself. Mm-hmm. You know, like I allow that space for myself to be submissive because that is what I enjoy. And on the and flip of that, there are a lot of men that are powerful that like to be dominant. Yes. And I'm not <laughs> gonna let anybody tell me that I'm fake or I'm fronting because I you know, I tell people out in the world I have to be I have to leave my family, I have to leave my household. You know what I mean? I've been a single mom for a long time. I don't want to lead in the bedroom. I'm like, take me. I child gone, take me. Yeah, I want that to be an <laughs> experience for me that is like, uh. I mean, and of course, you know, we all we have different sides of who we are sexually, mm-hmm. um, and as lovers. But I would say that in general, you know, that is kind of where I lean, uh, very naturally when I think. So it it. And I and I don't allow people to tell me, oh, well, if you're this way, then you got to be like this. I'm like, no, that those are your rules. They're not mine. So. And I think that's when you cross into the realm of um, transphobia, homophobia. Yeah. It's when you take your rules, your experiences, your beliefs, and you impose them and impugn them upon someone else. Yeah. Like I am a cis hetero Christian black male. How and that that's me, but Zaya, do your thing. Right. Do right. your thing. And, and if there ever life. comes a moment, yeah. right. and if there ever comes a moment that our paths cross, and we might be able to work together on a project that we find ourselves on the same bus together, that I find myself drinking in in the same bar as you, you are perfectly fine to be there. Your existence is absolutely a, is one valid, two appropriate, and three protected. Yeah, and protected, and we all deserve that. Yeah, like I just, I just, yeah, and it, and that's a longer discussion, which I think would probably need to lend itself to having its own standalone, its own standalone yeah. and, and yeah. including the LGBTQ right community. But um, I consider myself an ally, and even as an ally, I don't have to like, understand, or agree with everything. You know. I was talking to some of my lesbian friends and they were saying, oh, I don't like, you know, this or that. And I was like, are you really access all of your body? You are confining, you have very patriarchal ideas about your own body as a lesbian. Like what? You're enjoy your whole flesh. So we end mm. up getting into <laughs> this really amazing conversation about becoming a, a receiver and a giver. Mm-hmm. And like this idea of what does it mean to be a stud and what does it mean to be a femme and to be a femme and like why can't you all just be lovers with each other? Why can't you all be two women who love each other who would enjoy your vaginas? 
together right. Right. and your clitoris is together why does it always have to be you present as male you present yeah. as woman for the, why are you for using the, the hetero gaze yeah why right? are you using these heteronormative uh gender roles to confine a beautiful all-female relationship so i think a lot of it we all you know we all have a lot to uncover there right. so my last question for you, and really just, it's kind of just kind of putting a bow on the beautiful conversation that we've had so far. And again, I tell y'all, go get this book. Um, what is your hope for this book? What is, what, do you, what, what is your hope that the impact is, especially on the Black community? I hope that this book opens the conversation across generations about sex, intimacy, lovemaking, communication, consent. I hope that grandmothers and grandfathers will talk to their granddaughters and grandsons and fathers will talk to their daughters and mothers will talk to their sons and cousins can talk and people can either one start to unpack not only their joys but also their traumas and not carry them with them so long in life. Mm -hmm. I want this book to open the door to conversation. I want it to also open the door to pleasure. I want to see black people and all people loving each other intimately and wonderfully, freely and without judgment. You know, there is nothing greater than having a lover where you can do all this stuff and they still respect you know, who you're going to vote for, mm. <laughs> you know, or, you know, or your views on global warming, like I, that you don't have to be this or that, that we get to all be full and complete human beings, which that includes not only our sexuality, but our sensuality and our spirituality. So that's what I think I want. Natasha Ria Oskari, where can we find you? Where can we find this book? How can people hit you up in these internet streets? So, um, I do operate in the school of Master P, and so mm. I always have them in the trunk. Hey! She's slinging them bags of junk. Hey! And I prefer in her Birkenstocks. In my Birks. Twerks in her Birks. In my Birks. Selling books out the yeah. trunk. And I call my car Wakanda because it's black on black on black. Yeah. I got yeah. black windows, black rims, black inside, black paint. It's yes. Wow. And my, my car before that was hatchet set, so it's so funny. But the yeah. Natasha, <laughs> so That's so I do have them always on me, but you know, you can hit me up on my website um if you wanted to be autographed at N A T A S H A R I A dot com. So Natasharia dot com. But it's also on Amazon and I wanna say this, if you don't have a direct link, it will be difficult to find it on Amazon. But guess what? We gonna have that link for you. Yeah. We so, got the direct link. So, so yeah, just, and just please like purchase, sell, buy for others. Um, I really appreciate it. I love to see that people I don't know are buying the books. And uh, I was walking down the street the other day, and somebody was like, "Mama Sutra," and I love that. I'm like, yeah. Yes. So um, I'm also doing like workshops and presentations, and I will come Dope. into communities. Um, and do like one-to-ones, whether it's mothers and daughters, whether it's fathers and sons, whatever the combination, I will tailor um, an entire session with the book um, for people who want to begin to open that conversation. Because the only the thing that you don't want is to be the only one talking about it, right? You want to kind of come over and do it in a group. 
Yeah. So. Yes, and she will pull up, y'all. That is a that is a fact. That surely so is. So definitely check out Natasha Ria Oskari, Mama Sutra, Love and Love Making Advice to My Son. And we'll be right back with the last segment, Ruefully Speaking. On the last segment of Ruefully Speaking, which is the namesake. So, without further ado, I'm going to go first. So, we kind of alluded to it earlier, but we're going to get into it um, in a little bit more deeper detail. So, my Ruefully Speaking today is for the unseasoned cream corn eating. <laughs> Here she goes. NCIS watching. Here she goes. Amazing race, middle middle America, Barbara, Chad, Billy, all you motherfuckers who took the time out to get your Twitter fingers in a complete bunch. <laughs> Go out here in these internet streets and decide you want to slander my girl Beatrice Dixon. Who is Beatrice Dixon? Glad you asked. She is the CEO of the Honey Pie Company, and she was featured on a Target commercial which was released February 4th, which happened to be Black History Month. The, 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 the actual message of the, of the commercial was to be inspirational to entrepreneurs and basically promote diversity and Black girl magic and saying, yes, you too, Black girl, can own your own company. Beautiful, beautiful message. Too bad you Chad's, Billy's, Barbers, and Pam's decided to go ahead and pick up your collective internet phones and call the sensitivity police because your whole white ass feelings were completely destroyed. Had the nerve to sit here and say that it was inclusive and racist and why do why'd you have to only target black girls? And I don't understand, all entrepreneurs matter. Well, guess what, bitch? And yes, I'm calling y'all bitches because only a motherfucker like y'all would have the nerve to take the time out of your day to complain about something so positive and so wonderful to the point where you decide you wanted to give her one star ratings on Yelp just based off a commercial that celebrates the diversity of black entrepreneurship and business ownership. But guess what? There's a thing called black Twitter and we strong out here in these streets, bruh best believe we gonna come through and we went and slayed and flooded all the love that we could towards Beatrice Dixon's company to make sure that you motherfuckers don't go ahead and try to slay and slander her shit at all so what I want to say to y'all seriously why can't we live why can't they just let us live out here we can't do shit we can't do our own dances without y'all motherfuckers saying something we can't be out here doing our own fashion without y'all appropriating shit. We can't be out here even selling y'all tampons, organic ones at that, without y'all saying shit. I'm really irked at the fact that, yet again, white folk, and not all white folk, but white folk in the general, always be white folking. And this is the shit that we're talking about. It was a very, very simple, beautiful message 
and y'all tend to just go ahead and take the shit way left and have the nerve to call people snowflakes and meltdown when we talk about the redacted in office. Don't give me that shit. You can miss me with that bullshit all day, every day. Shit ought to be home before Trump. I'm telling you. So I will say this. Beatrice Dixon, keep doing your thing. And Target, please continue to promote these messages of black entrepreneurship. Uh, for all y'all know, hair products that are black owned, or at least used to be black owned. <laughs> Shout out to Shea Moisture. Um, <laughs> they continue to uplift and continue to promote black owned businesses. So keep doing your thing, Target. Keep doing your thing, Beatrice Dixon. And fuck all the haters. Ripley speaking. As I pull up to the mic. I got this little felt brim, black hat, and I am uh, I'm reminded of a conversation I had over the weekend about the dignity that comes in um, the black traditions of black folks in hats, whether it be women in their church hats or whether it be men in their hat for business every day, what have you. And so as I'm wearing my outcast hoodie, I have on my black brim hat or beige brim black trimmed felt hat and um all of these conversations make me think for black men we have to get to a point where we are okay and vulnerable enough to open our mouths and speak and share and experience the depth of our own feelings for sake of nothing else of averting an implosion and putting yourself in a headspace and in a um in a life space where you cannot cope where you are not your best self and so then you cannot be best for your partner for your friends for your career for your family for whoever so brothers my roofly speaking today is really simple um use your words feel your feelings for my sisters for my non-binary folks Support them, make them feel safe, and watch the shells crack and fall to the pieces, and or fall to pieces on all over the floor, and watch this beautiful creature create magic literally in front of you. Ruefully speaking. So what's next for you, bro? Um, we're looking for stability. <laughs> okay. I have to speak codedly because. I got you. But All just right. looking for civility. Um, I got a trip coming up next month. I'm going to Denver. So. All right. Well, hopefully you'll find stability and uh, uh elevation, <clears throat> elevation yes. in the in the mile high state. We will be more than a mile high, my friend. Uh, <laughs> um, for me, uh, it What's is up? women's it's women's history month. So please celebrate the women in your life. That's dope as fuck. Yeah, so like for black women to go from Black History Month. To oh yeah, history yeah. Month. It's it, 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 there's money to be made, poets. Black History <laughs> Month, Women's History Month, National Poetry Month next month. Get your money. Um, so uh, definitely celebrate the women in your life. Um, even if that means you know just saying hello, saying you know you look great today. And I do, and I mean in a non-creepy, trying to get in their pants kind of way. Literally look them in the eye and tell them you look great today. I see you. Um, you know I am participating in a challenge on Facebook, you may have seen it, where basically if you share this post where you're starting this month, do the, the first four people that comment on the post that are women, do something nice for them. Just random acts of kindness. Oof. And pay it but the but the key is you have to pay it forward. So 
I'm participating in that challenge. I strongly suggest you do the same. Um, treat your sisters. Be good to them. See a woman. Mm-hmm. Love a woman. You came from one. Aight? Aight. We out? We out. <laughs> Two weeks. See you again. Yeah. Alright, and that's a wrap. Thanks for listening in on this episode of the Roofly Speaking Podcast. Roofly Speaking Podcast is brought to you by Afrosheen Productions. We had a special guest in the studio with us today, the one and only Natasha Ria Elskari. You, she's here to talk about her book, Mama Sutra, Love and Love Making, Advice to My Son. Definitely go hit that, go find her on social media and grab that book. You can find her at www.natasharia.com. Miss Angela Rue is your host. Uncle Jude the Don is your co-host. Miles Van is our director of photography. Music is composed and produced by Desmond D. Professor Mason. Follow the show on Instagram and on Facebook at R-O-U-X-F-U-L-L-Y speaking. I don't spell speaking because you should know how. And on Twitter at R-O-U-X-P-O-D. That's Rue Pod. Follow Angela on all social media at M-Z underscore A-N-G-E. L-A underscore R-O-U-X and follow Uncle Jew on Twitter and Instagram at underscore J-A-L-E-X capital Z A-N-D-E-R Holla at y'all in two weeks. We out.